Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi everyone and welcome to the third session for the African Family Business Conference. In this session we are planning to have a panel discussion. However, we're having technical issues and we have uh, one of our speakers who is struggling to join us, but I am sure will join us somewhere along uh, the session. But in the meantime, we have the very capable Yavi Madurai to help us to answer some of the questions relating to the African free trade agreement and hopefully we can navigate it and its implications for family businesses. So welcome Yavi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for this session actually. I truly am. Uh, and it's lovely to meet you both. You're doing such amazing work on the continent. Uh, and from a financial prosperity perspective, uh, you know, that's all, that's all that we aim to do from a Papua aspect. So, yeah, we're like-minded sisterhood, shall we say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, to get us started, I will kick off with the first question. And um, as usual, me and Nike will interchange as we ask you the questions. And yeah. um, hopefully at some point, um, I think we have Cham here. Have you managed to join us, Cham? Well, we'll just, yes, um, I'm with you, but my network doesn't seem to be the best. Well, welcome. Are you we're, getting me? Yes, we are getting you loud and clear. So maybe without video, you might be able to, we might just be able to get audio in, which is perfectly fine. Thank you for joining Hello? us. Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Is um, someone hearing me there? That even, yes, we are hearing you. Can you hear me? Yes, we are hearing. Oh, okay. He, he just cut out. Right. So, Yavi. I will start with you while we wait yes. for Cham, and I will just will also just send him a message just to let him know that we can hear him when he comes back on. Um, can you just elaborate yeah. for our audience a little bit about what is the African Free Trade Agreement? Yeah, sure. Um, so the African Continental Free Trade Area, uh, which is what we refer to obviously in the shortened way called uh, the AFCFTA. Uh, if everyone can get all the letters together, one day we will be good. Um, but then the agreement uh, was actually signed by the threshold number of countries in March 28, kicking off um, the ability to now start rolling out um, or start implementing the AFCFTA. So I don't know if everyone knows this, but it's basically the flagship project, the African Union's Agenda 2063 of the Africa we want. Um, technically, it is a blueprint um, for ensuring or attaining inclusive and, and, and creating that sustainable development um, across Africa and they've estimated it to be able to create that sustainability in terms of economic development for the next 50 years. Um, it's obviously based on, 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 on intra-Africa trade scenarios so um, it's looking um, you know, looking at it in terms of that African unity that uh, the great uh, Kwame Nkrumah started speaking about, you know, 60, 60 years ago, give or take. So that's where we're at. That's the AFCFTA 
um, just from a, you know, in a nutshell, it obviously has lots and lots and lots of documents behind it. But in a nutshell, that is what it is, is that we're the second largest free trade area um, only to the World Trade Organization or the World Trade Area. Wow. Um, and when is it effective from? So it was, so let me give you some technical dates. So technically it started to become or effective um, in May 2019. It was meant to have gone live. So what I meant by gone live is that if we, we should have actually started trading under the free trade area um, on 1 July. And then that lovely thing called COVID arrived in, in, in March, people would take across the continent. So that delayed things a little bit. And then on the 1st of January this year, so effectively, you know, like just under five months, um, it, it, it was declared open. We haven't started trading um, as yet under the AFCFTA, so people are confused. If we started, if it was effected or effective on the 1st of January, why haven't we started trading? Can I just put into perspective, I mean, you know, we, we all at some point in our lives work with administration of things, you know, whether it's our wills or our finances or whatever the case is. Can you imagine putting together... 54, because it's just one country that basically has inside, which is Eritrea, um, 54 countries, all of their trade agreements, all of their bilaterals, all of their processes, rules and policies, we now have to come under a single agreement. So it's not, it's not as easy as saying, you know, let's just start trading. It's a matter of being able to put all of those finer details now in place. So it is, it's effective, yes, 100%, but it will only start to be, you know, in, oper, in operation mode. Um, they're thinking by June, which is kind of two months away, give or take. So that is where we're... I think we've just lost Yavi there for... The charm just came in. Move it to that June deadline for us to actually start trading I mean, under... But I'm very I'm really so, worried if... Uh, I'm making my voice through. That's the problem. My network is really showing unstable here. Yes, we can hear you loud and clear, Cham. Um, Yavi was just explaining to us a little about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement and uh, when it starts being in effect. Um, and I think we're just about to move on to our third question, which is what are the key or main things about the African uh, continent free trade agreement which people should know about and then we can always we can always build on that can you hear me oh, Cham? Yavi can you also hear me I can hear you can you hear me yes I can hear you Cham I think you are on mute so we can see you but we cannot hear you so uh, we were moving on to question number three, which is um, what are the main or key things about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement that people should know about, especially family-owned businesses? Did you get the question? I'm not getting what you're saying. I wonder saying. if you can hear us. I wonder if he... There we go. Yes. So I was asking our third question, which is what are the main or key things about the African uh, Continental Free Trade Agreement that... That, that people should know, especially our family businesses. Yavi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, sorry. So I had asked question number three, but no one had answered, mm -hmm. which is what are the, the main or key things about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement that people should know about? 
so shame. I was giving uh, I was giving Sham uh, a chance to be able to to come into it. So let me answer this in a very kind of you know let me list the facts um, as opposed to talking through this because I think that's the way we're going to get through as many mm -hmm. as many of the points as possible. So what it does is that. It, it, so when the so UNECA or the Economic Commission, United Nations Economic uh, Commission for Africa, when they estimated, um, I think it was about a year or two ago, they suggested that the AFCFTA has the potential to boost intra-Africa trade by 52%. Like that's, a massive, uh, that's a massive amount in terms of what we're looking at currently. If you look at the fact that we're sitting at only 16.67, and that was in 2017 when they did the last study. So it will be, you know, not just 100%, it will be far more than that in terms of how we could boost the, we could boost intra-Africa trade. If we have to deal with um, non-tariff barriers, so for those that are in the industry that will understand um, NTFs, um, that will be even higher. Should I carry on? Yeah. Um, and then the AFCFTA actually has eight strategic objectives. Um, the first is what you would see all over the internet in terms of what everyone has been talking about, which is basically you'll see the hashtag One African Market, which is the first strategic objective of the AFCFTA, which basically is creating a single market for goods and services, facilitated obviously by the movement of people. So remember there were three agreements that were signed originally in 2018. One of those are also not just the AFCFTA, but also the free movement of people across the continent, which is still in discussion. Then the second strategic objective is contributing to the movement of capital and people and facilitating investment. So how do we build infrastructure to be able to support that intra-Africa trade growth? And then we look at the customs union because that is a massive issue and creating that continental customs union, as I was saying. Imagine bringing all of these countries together under one, um, under one agreement. Then we look at, obviously, then the major strategic objective is to be able to increase and expand intra-Africa trade. Um, there, are, there is a goal that has been put in place that within the next, I think it's the next 18 months to 24 months, we want to be able to increase from 16.6% to at least 30%, which is double. Resolving the challenges of, of then overlapping memberships of in regional economic arrangements. So these regional centers is where the AFCFTA will mainly be driven from. So we need to resolve all of those conflicts because as it is, you know, the fact that we were divided um, means that there will be lots of things to overcome. Then we need to look at obviously promoting sustainable economic development, we cannot continuously rely on aid from an Africa agenda perspective. Um, His Excellency Paul Kahame speaks about trade, not aid. It's prob probably the most three powerful words that any African leader could use at this point in time, because aid is going to, you know, distract us or reduce the amount of trade that we will be able to do on the continent, especially intra-Africa. Um, then we look at industrial development, which is something we needed to have looked at for many, many years. Um, there was a time in the 80s and 90s where they were talking about, you know, Africa rising and that industrial development. We are at that cusp again. Let's hope we don't lose it. And then obviously one of the biggest things is about enhancing competitiveness. So when we look at enhancing competitiveness, we now think about this. It's critical mass. If you and I come together and, sorry, when you and I come together and we are able to negotiate with a third party, 
we are stronger because we are negotiating together, right? But imagine 55 countries or 36, which is the final ratification status. Um, if you bring in those 36 countries, and I'm speaking now from a really idealistic perspective because it's not going to be anywhere near that in, in, in the near future. But what it does is it shows that we would then be able to be far more competitive when we are create or when we are a unified body. So that competitiveness then allows us to be able to have things like reduce costs. We can then negotiate better. We can negotiate on better terms, especially considering that global trade is falling apart. And that's just um, my words. But basically, that is the stuff. Look, we can continuously talk about how much we should know from an AFC to know about the AFCFTA. And we're talking high level um, in this session. So, yeah, tell me when you want me to go very deep. No, thank you. Um, we had a gentleman that his hand was up, but I can't see him anymore. Um, um, if you'd like to come on the stage, um, please do if you've got any contributions. Whilst we await his um, comments, wanted to ask, it is said that this AFTCA will, you know, release millions from poverty, but we're still, there's a lot of criticism for um, the agreement not being implemented yet. Is it another one of the things that has been created by African Union where that will come to fruition for Africa's people? What are your, your thoughts on that? So, yes, so the first part to, to confirm, you know, the first stage um, uh, estimates uh, is that, you know, 30 some odd million people could be released from poverty just by the AFCFTA, sorry, sorry. So when we look at it, and if we look at the low base that intra-Africa trade. Sorry about that. Yeah, we hope you're okay. Um, I'm so sorry, you, I swallowed. All right. Um, no, we fine. have <coughs> that video that was trying to get on stage. I think I've oh, okay. to come on stage now, so if you have any okay. comments. Okay, hi, Nikkei. How are you? Uh, I'm great. How are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, I guess the... Speaking of the AFCFT, I guess the very first challenge we got to deal with here is the broadband penetration. Uh, clearly, it's really not. It's really not been. It's really not been as easy as as we would have it to be. So I got a question where, where you had asked that. I guess the question was directed at Cham. I, I wanted to just come in uh, from a lawyer's perspective and, and just chip in my my little dime uh, in terms of how we see it in terms of uh, the agreement. So basically, we just dissected it in four. Uh, it felt like the document talked mostly mainly on the administration of the of the FCA itself in terms of uh, uh, the 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 the, uh, the bodies that are responsible for the administration, starting from the General Assembly, and it's cascading it downwards to the secretariat. So we look at it first from an administration point of view, then we look at it in terms of trading services, and then we look at it trading goods. Uh, we look at it from the perspective of uh, uh, the disputes uh, settlement procedure of all that they have. So uh, uh, essentially, we look at it as an agreement among countries. So it's not an agreement amongst uh, individuals, not an agreement amongst organizations. Uh, it's uh, left to each country to decide on how far it would go. Uh, so if uh, there are businesses uh, uh, that really want to push in terms of taking the advantage that's available under the uh, agreement, then they have to push their uh, their uh, their uh, 
what you call it, the national representatives. Uh, fortunately for us in Nigeria, we have uh, taken the bull body on. Uh, we have an FTA, uh, a nationalized EFTA secretariat uh, coming from the uh, coming from the, uh, the Ministry of Industry, Trade and Investment, which is actually responsible for the administration and facilitation of Nigeria's participation under the trade. So I think if we have that sort of momentum by as many countries as possible are driving the, the process, then we'll get enough traction. There's just so little uh, we can do as organizations, businesses, other than go through our national representatives to ensure that the opportunity the FCFT presents to us in terms of the larger African market is actually available for uh, individual uh, businesses to, to participate. So, so essentially, that's my conversation continue. Fantastic uh, event so far. Uh, thank you so much for organizing it. Thank you. Thank you for thank your submission. You. So back to you, Yavi. Um, to answer the question on implementation, is this something that won't come to fruition? Yeah, another promise. From the African Union, what are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, <clears throat> there have been lots of criticism around um, the delays with regard to the AFCFTA implementation or, or effectiveness or effective date. Um, as the Debbie just spoke about, you know, every country um, is some countries are taking the ball by the horns, Nigeria, Ghana. Um, Nigeria specifically has created all of these different um, channels and platforms under the Ministry of Trade and Industry. Um, as, and, and Ghana has literally expanded their, their AFCFTA uh, rollout and, and policy around that immensely so. So these are the early leaders in terms of the continent driving the AFCFTA implementation. So there are two ways of looking at this. So yes, it was delayed by six months in terms of the effective date originally. And yes, it is you know, still technically delayed in terms of upper operationalization. Um, however, countries still obviously also need to get themselves to a point where they are ready that the day we say free trade is effective today, are you ready? So there's two ways of looking at it. You know. The AFCFTA Secretariat and the African Union are policymakers. They create an enabling environment. The countries have governments who now have to put into that policy and enabling environment in order to be able to meet the compliance regulations and all of those kind of things. The next level is, have you made your citizens ready? So are you and I ready to start trading under the AFCFTA within the constraints of our relative governments and being able to do cross-border trade? Are we ready? Have our governments, has the African Union, has the private sector, it doesn't matter who it is, have they equipped us and capacitated us to be able to start trading our goods and services um, um, from an intra-Africa perspective? So this is, this is the way or this is where we're at. We're in that transition phase at the moment. And, you know, they are different. Every country is at a different stage. It's at a different level. So that in itself represents a, a massive challenge that we need to look at. Um, and every country will look at it uh, uh, very, very differently. But it is that we need to get to, and I alluded to it just now, <clears throat> In 2017 was the last um, um, uh, research study that was done. 
Africa, intra-Africa trade was 16.6%. And I mean, we know why. It's not rocket science to figure out. It's easier for me to buy something in South Africa from London and receive it than it would be for you and I to sell to each other. It will go around the world before it gets to us and it will be five times the price. So to understand why this effectively happened. Unfortunately, it goes back to our days of colonization and the era of colonization. So if you look at it, we were divided where we were united. We were divided due to that, that colonized era. And those kind of things, most of them, some of them were intense. So we now have to unravel and undo that colonization. Let's park that for two seconds. Let's compare ourselves to intra-EU trade, who had a European Union um, until Brexit happened a couple of weeks, months, you know, however you want to look at it, whichever date you want to put into it. And they are going now in the opposite direction. Well, not effectively, but, you know, where people are starting to, to disengage. So, but that was technically, Europe is our, technically the center of where lots of, you know, our colonization was. So if you look at it, there is this, there is this, this fractionalization of the, of the way global trade is moving around, that we now need to contextualize Africa into that to understand how, where, and why this is going to allow us, if it's going to allow us to be able to get to that point where we can at least double our intra-Africa trade from 16.6%, give or take, to at least 30%, which is what the um, Affection Bank and AFDB are, are trying to say that's what we should aim for. Right. And would you say that you are positive about the African Free Trade Agreement and why? Yes, I am. Um, and I say, that, uh, I say that with exhaustion because I'm so tired of, of, of saying yes to that. Um, and the reason for that is because there's, there's, there's two things um, around that. Is that I want you to just separate the technicalities and the policy and the regulation and all of that. I want to just park that for one second. Have you noticed that there's always propaganda when it comes to anything African? And we sometimes create our own propaganda around why we are less or why we cannot do something or why we won't end up doing something. Let's be, let's be real about that. When America does something, it's done big. Before they even do it, they make an announcement to tell you that they're going to be doing something. You know, that's just the kind of way that they do it they do things the europeans do similar and we are all behind that we will be supporting that and running behind that whether it is perfect or not we will be there for for things that are not even ours so now it comes to the afcfta we have amazing young leadership at the helm of the secretariat in Wamkelemene who is committed and, and is so, you know, transparently obvious around what he wants to be able to achieve. But he can't do it on his own. We all have to create those kind of, and make our small contributions in little ways to do that. It starts with being positive. Because if we're not positive, yes, I am not, I am not so delusional that I think that this is going to happen you know, well, it's going to happen overnight and it's going to go in full effect. I want to say to you, I know very well personally, and many people feel the same way, I know personally, I am not going to be around, I'm going to, not going to be alive to see 
the AFCFTA come into full effect. I know that perfectly well. But by the same token, we cannot then say that because, oh, it's not going to happen immediately and it's not going to happen perfectly, that we shouldn't push, we shouldn't drive, we shouldn't explore, we shouldn't navigate, we shouldn't try and solve the problems and overcome the challenges. We've got to be positive. That positivity allows us to then create the narratives that need to be created Sharing information, democratization of information, exactly what you ladies are doing today, opening up, making people understand how they can benefit from it. This is what we need to be doing. As simple or simplistic as it sounds is where it needs to start. So, you know, I know that sounds a little bit revolutionary, but this is exactly why things sometimes fail from an Africa perspective is because we don't necessarily support, encourage, encompass you know, um, push the agenda that we need to push compared to our Asian counterparts, our European counterparts, or our American counterparts. When they do something, they do it, and everyone is there to support it. We find fault. So we know the faults. We know our limitations. We know this is not happening anytime soon in terms of it happening perfectly well, but we've got to start for our children and for the future sustainability of Africa. Otherwise, we're just going to be an aid continent for the rest of time. Um, so that is my very scenic route answer <laughs> to your question. Very well said, very powerfully said. Um, and we're obviously a community of family business owners. How will the free trade continental agreement benefit business owners like ourselves? How will it actually translate into economic and financial benefits for African businesses? as well as the formalized ones, as well as the informal, those in the informal sector. No, 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 absolutely. So before, before I get to the actual, you know, how can we translate it into, into numbers and, and bottom line growth and, you know, rands and cents in, in my world, dollars, you know, all of those euros, whatever it is that, um, that we are using as our exchange rate. Um, firstly, I want to say this, is that if there is anyone from a private sector perspective, from small businesses, from businesses, small medium enterprises, why aren't you making yourself heard? We have got to get to the point where our, our businesses are starting to stand up. They're not just allowing governments to create regulation policy telling us what to do. We've got to be able to ask, how is this going to benefit me, my products and services, my staff, my employees? How is it going to grow? Where are the opportunities? These are the things we've got to start, you know, encouraging businesses to, they, they may not know, but they must ask the questions. There are millions of consultants, not millions, I'm exaggerating now, but there's lots of consultants across the continent that are able to help them answer and ask those very simple, basic questions. How do I start? So that's my first, um, that's my first appeal or uh, appeal, sorry, or, or, or call to action around you know, how do we make uh, businesses a part of the, of the narrative? And, and how do we make them part of the advocacy? And then to answer your question, and look, we, you know, I didn't expect for us to have lots and lots of time. So I made a couple of notes in terms of it, but we can, we can unpack it and discuss it. So let me, ask, um, let me ask a couple of questions before we actually discuss it. In your country, in your specific country, have you checked, for example, what has been gazetted for African free trade? Um, what has been, you know, what, what regulations have been created around that gazette 
in terms of free trade. Surely in every African country, um, they either have done it, going to do it, on their way to doing it. If they haven't done it, then you should be asking the question around why, dear country or dear government, have you not done it? What are the list of products? So technically, there should be hundreds or thousands or whatever it is that your country currently makes from a manufacturing perspective. There should be a list of products that can be imported and exported duty-free under the AFCFTA or the free trade area when it is finally implemented. So do you know what those products are? Um, do those products fall into your current business uh, channels, platforms, manufacturing uh, abilities, capacity, or whatever it is? Could you diversify your business to create another revenue stream, maybe use your same equipment to be able to create one of those products or, or deliver on some of those services? So these are the kind of questions from a, from a, from a business perspective that we need to be asking. Um, we need to be saying, how do I expand my market? Instead of looking at global markets, how do I expand my market right here in Africa? So how do I sell my services to you? So how do I sell my services from Southern Africa to, to West Africa or East Africa or Northern Africa? I'm a specialist in something and I could then enter your local market and be able to create um, a, a, a new market for myself. Here's what I want to be able um, to put on the table as a massive opportunity. So when you look at it, right, we have got um, international uh, um, players in the market and, and long has been the memes and the things that go around the internet about how, you know, China, America and, and, and Europe have long, you know, had unfettered access, so to speak, to our resources, to our raw materials, et cetera, et cetera. So they are not going to be able to have so-called unfettered access, if I can put it that way, in terms of if you are not African by business registration, part of the countries that form part of the agreement, you can't operate under the, the, the premise of the free trade and all the benefits, right? So like an up to 90% uh, tariff reduction, et cetera, et cetera. So, one of the things that you should be looking at is how do we now start to create partnership opportunities? So the Americans who want to do business in Africa need to find an African partner in order to benefit from the AFCFTA. The Europeans will have to do the same thing. What are your current business products that are currently being sold by a European business in your local market that you are a competitor to and you can't compete? You need to be able to, to have discussions with that technically your competitor to say, you know, and quite simply, hey, dude, you're not going to be able to make those kind of margins going forward unless you have an African partner. I'm possibly your best opportunity at this. So these are the kind of opportunities. And there's many, many, many more. I've just given you a little bit of insight into what that could possibly look like around how to start taking um, advantage or participating using the AFCFTA to your benefit, small business or otherwise. If you do, give me an example of a product that is well known from a, from a, from a local market perspective that you guys think would be great from an intra-Africa trade, cross-border. Like give me an example of what you think in your particular country that you think would work in other parts of Africa. Like, Give me an example. 
think while we wait for the examples in the chat box, can everybody um, who's on the session, if you could just give examples in the chat box so that Yavi yeah, can just um, have a look at those. Uh, we have a question from Ronnie Miner, and he is asking, um, how do I start is a great question. I believe online is a start for purposes of sharing information, and does such a portal exist? In terms of information, I'm assuming, or how do I start with the AFCFDA? So we'll answer both. <laughs> We've got time, we'll answer both. Um, how do you start with the AFCFTA? Have you read the document? Have you read the agreement? Do you know how many people come onto these sessions and these panels and they want to start using it? They want to enter into this fray, enter into this environment, have never read the document. I'm not saying that the document is going to make lots and lots of sense. I'm not going to say that it's not boring. And I'm not going to say that it's not going to take, you know, for somebody else to explain it. But at least start with reading the document um, to understand what are the main issues around that document. And, and Ronnie has an MBA from, from what I can see. So he will be able to get it Im immediately around what does it replicate? What does it stand for? And especially understand the various articles under the under the agreement and what it represents for the different business sectors. So that's the first thing. The second thing is in terms of the information information. So interestingly enough, Ronnie, we have a brother, Sham uh, Etienne Bama, who is like really trying his best from a digital perspective to keep on coming in and out of the session. Um, and I wish he was able to answer some of these. Yeah, um, yes, maybe, maybe, maybe I should yes. say something because I think the network is a little bit stable here because I'm hearing you. Can I go ahead? Yes, please. Okay, good and fine. Well, what I have to say is that we need to understand the construction process on the continent in terms of regional integration and market liberalization for family businesses. The picture of family businesses on the continent, when we look at it now, is national and at most regional. Why are most family businesses present at the national uh, um, territories? They are businesses that are grown uh, from generation to generation. And the tendency for them to survive within national territory is that they are accustomed to with the academia, the civil society, and even the consumers. They, have, they are well-established names within uh, national territories. For example, take a look at the equity bank in Kenya, East Africa as a whole. Uh, take uh, the case of the media Mugu in Tanzania, who is well-known by everybody, basically everybody in Tanzania. Consuming is put up become just uh, the daily routine of Tanzanians. Now, some of them have tried to expand to cover their regional economic community. The case of Azalai Hotels in West Africa, which is present in Niger, Burkina Faso, Côte d'Ivoire, is because of the evolution of the regional economic community that has become a single market at the regional level, giving now a leverage for farm Niger from the Republic of Niger to Burkina Faso they are suppliers again in the new country where they are going to invest. That is true for all the wrecks on the continent. When you look at the expansion of family businesses, this happened basically post-1995. The continental retail area is built on the achievement of these regional economic communities, markets that have been created at these regions. The AFCT now wants to move beyond this regional economic community to cover the whole African continent. 
And this is going to provide a similar pattern to family businesses, which will have a wider market. Have we lost him? Yes, I think we've um, lost him for a bit there. Um, Yavi, maybe I can just pose our final question. Yeah, sure. I, I was saying to Ronnie, um, okay. we've started, um, we've actually started with, um, and Sham is a part of it, we've actually started the AFTNN, which is the Africa uh, Trade News Network, um, to be able to start disseminating and distributing um, information around the AFCFTA under the fact that democratization, see, this information needs to be out there. So, yeah, there's various portals, but um, ours is specifically around from um, the AFC. Family businesses now have from 16 to 20 countries where they were normally trading to 54 countries, even 55 that are now open for them. They can now make the choices from Cape Town to Cairo in Egypt, from Mombasa to Douala in Cameroon. And once they are doing their investment, those investments will be done under the same legal reason. And once again, um, we've just been cut off again. Um, we have a question from Kumbi. And Kumbi is asking, um, he's saying, great session. My question is to Yavi. How can the African diaspora take advantage of the African um, continental free trade agreement? And do they find opportunities by a country of origin or by sector specification? So it will go back to the fact that we've, so the diaspora is, is, is a massive opportunity um, that the AFCFTA secretariat themselves, um, all the UN entities, so especially like UNDP Africa, um, UNECA in terms of the Economic Commission of Africa, um, the AFDB, Afrexim Bank, um, even Babwa is, is driving that diaspora uh, connections in terms of being able to open it up so that we can improve and increase, as I said to you earlier, it is a massive opportunity for us to be able to create those partnerships with the larger organizations from across the continent. Um, it would depend. So, you know, whether it's sector-based, whether it is country of origin-based, it would depend on the product or service. Um, the one thing that I do have to say to you in, in, in the, um, I didn't finish, uh, um, because I forgot to, to add it in, is that one of the biggest opportunities that we have as a continent is exactly what, what you ladies do. It's services. So servicification of trade has never been pushed or driven, explored, unpacked, um, and, and narratives created around how do we you know, commercialize services from cross-border perspective. Yes, digital infrastructure is poor, case in point, um, in terms of Sham's connection, but digital, digital, digital in terms of trade is a massive opportunity. It is a low-hanging fruit, to use a terrible term, um, in around how we can already start to create those kind of opportunities for our businesses. There are huge amounts of service businesses across the continent. How do you, or maybe you're a product business that can convert to a service business or add a, 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 a revenue stream to be able to do that. So when you are looking for that diaspora partnerships, it's the same thing. How do you look at it in terms of being able to align to those kind of um, diaspora? It's massive opportunities. They truly are. If you're willing to do some research, spend some, you know, spend some time with your laptop and your phone, just trying to understand who is in the market, who is the, who are the main players, who is it that I could possibly reach out to to say, let's let's 
collaborate on a project, start collaborating on a project, and then take it forward um, to look at how you could create a formalized partnership. The trust deficit in Africa is something that we all have to work um, together to close because unfortunately, there is that perception that you know trust is, is lacking from an African agenda. So we do need to close that trust deficit when we deal with the diaspora. Um, understand and ensure that that is something you put front and center when you deal with anyone externally as, a, as an African company. Thank you so much once again, Yavi. Unfortunately, our time has run out for today. Uh, we are having to prepare for our next session, which is happening in 15 minutes. Um, if there's any closing remarks that you'd like to share with our audience today, and also just any details that you'd like to give them, how they can contact you and uh, find out more about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement or any leads or links that they should um, actually look for as they navigate this space. Sure. So um, just in terms of some links and some, some, some tips in terms of being able to deal with it, there's, there's tons of information. Um, if you're on Twitter, you know, go and follow the hashtag AFCFTA on Twitter. Go and follow the hashtag OneAfricanMarket and go and follow like the AFCFTA Secretariat. Um, the good thing is, is that all of the organizations with regard to the AFCFTA are all over social media, especially on Twitter and LinkedIn. So you will not be left out of the loop. You will not be left behind in terms of information. You can find we we spend a lot of time creating platforms for communication around the AFCFTA. Um, our hashtag specific is the AFCFTA is ours, as in it's ours, it's Africa's. So we must make it work for us. Um, and that is at PABWA, P-A-B-W-A. It stands for the Pan-African Business Women's Association. But PABWA underscore AFCFTA. Um, and you will find tons of information around the AFCFTA. Or pop us a direct message and we will send that through. We've got all of the documents saved in our archive in our library. Um, and we'll be able to give you some information. We also update you in terms of links and, and, and events that are coming up. Like this one, for example. Just in terms of some closing remarks, um, like Sham was saying, and, and he never got to finish, um, is that we have, you know, we have assets on this continent. We have so much value that has already been invested. How do we now leverage that by investing in ourselves? And that aid that we're wanting, let's look at how we create that infrastructure. But the trust deficit, closing of the trust deficit and closing the digital divide is our biggest opportunity in its lack of if you know what i'm saying so um look for those kind of things to help if that's your sector look to how you close the digital divide in order for your sector to be able to grow and benefit from the afcfta thank you and and thank you once again to um yavi and cham uh, we will be also getting a recording from Cham on answering those questions that we failed to get through this recording and we will be sharing them on our platform so you will just get access to be able to hear Cham's uh, contribution to this conversation going forward. If you are registered for the, uh, the conference, you will get that link coming through to your inboxes. And thank you once again to both of you, Cham and Yavi, for joining us today and I'm um, looking forward to our next session which is happening in the next 10 minutes.